to be emphasized today among the Baptists. We have kind of excelled in getting people out of Egypt, but we haven't done too well getting people into the promised land. Uh, we focus on evangelism, which is wonderful. But evangelism is not your graduation. Evangelism is your inaugural. Not the end of anything, but the beginning of everything. And the purpose of salvation is not to get you out of earth into heaven when you die, it's true. But the purpose of salvation is to get God out of heaven into you down here. With the purpose of conforming you and me into the image of His Son. So the purpose of salvation is, you know, it's, it's so that we can become more like Jesus on our way to heaven. Basically, salvation is becoming what we are. That makes sense? Uh, so I love, I love that song. Well, that, 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 that sermon didn't talk to me about that. That was a little addition. But that song disturbed that within my heart. I really want to preach to you today on the subject, Come Before subtitle would be, We Need Each Other. The text we're about to read is Paul's last words in print. They are his last letter that he ever wrote just prior to his execution. He's writing from a prison in Rome, Italy, called the Mamertine Prison. Rose and I able this last year to visit Mamertine Prison. Uh, we spent uh, eight days in Italy, and I want to tell you the highlight of my visit to Italy was not the Colosseum, it wasn't Venice, as beautiful as that was, and Milan, but it was visiting the Mamertine Prison. It wasn't even on our tour, but I found out it was in walking distance to our hotel. So late one afternoon, my wife and I went to the Mamertine Prison. To get there, 
So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, let me read verses 9 through 21. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deed. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that though that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, but probably a reference to Satan. Peter said, 
Satan is like a floor of blood walking about, seeking to make who we may alive. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You know, the Lord doesn't always rescue us the way we would like to rescue Paul is talking about rescue and he's using it as a euphemism for death. He knows he's about to die. But he knows that when he dies, it's a rescue. God's going to take him into his heavenly kingdom. Now, he says, uh, he'll bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greek Prisca and Aquila of the household of Epiphorus, Erastus remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, who was the governor of Macedonia. It's a word. Sometimes I think it's Sometimes it's presented, on, especially on some of the uh, gospel preachers who hear on TV or other people who the radio, that it is always in every situation God's glory to be in. That's just not true. Paul was able to heal, but not only the man. He was only able to heal under God's providence when it was God's will. Here, Paul leaves one of his close friends at Malaysia's sick. Why didn't Paul do this? Because it wasn't God's will at that particular time to do this. Healing is in the assumption, but it's not always immediate healing. Ultimate healing always comes. Now, that's another sermon at another time. And then he says, and the last thing I want you to see is verse 21 do your best to come before the wind. Now, Paul here mentions 17 people in these last few verses. Paul is remembering people. People that have meant a lot to him. And people that he's hungry and needs to see. He's lonely. The truth is, Paul needed these people at that particular time in his life. Truth is, we need each other. And this was framed in a time very specific time frame. Paul knows that he probably won't live in this time. And so he tells Timothy, his young protege, I need you to come now, Timothy, verse 9. And he says, I need you to come before winter, verse 21. Now, why would he say that? Well, because as winter was approaching, the ability to travel on the sea So he knew that if Timothy didn't come immediately, he would not be able to get something until spring. And what he's saying is, Timothy, if you don't get here before spring, you might as well come now. Come before winter. There are some things, precious friends, that if we're going to do for the kingdom of God, we have to do before winter. Our winters are coming, and the doors are closed. You'll never have that opportunity again. Now, Paul had some deeds here that only Timothy could do. And let me just outline those deeds for you this morning quickly. First of all, Timothy could only, was the only person who could fill a void in Paul's life. There was a void in Paul's life that only Timothy 
other words, boy, it simply refers to the attentive spot. If I could put it colloquially, it would be Paul had a hold in his heart. He had a hold that only attentive could do. Now, that void was basically a three pronged void. I, I just want to point out to you what that was. First of all, that void was caused by the devotion of God. It was a void caused by devotion. Did, did you notice what he says here in verse 10? It's one of the saddest verses to me in the New Testament. Demons have forsaken having love with pleasure. Isn't that Demas is recorded in Colossians 4.14 and in Philemon in chapter 7, verse 24, as being a fellow servant of Paul. The truth is, Demas had an impeccable person. He had been a good fellow servant with Paul. Paul trusted him. Paul loved him. But it says here that Demas had forsaken now that word forsaken is the same word that's used on numerous occasions in the New Testament. You'll, you'll remember these two. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, one of the last things that he says is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you deserted me? That's the same word Paul uses of Jesus. It's used on a better and more encouraging occasion in chapter 13, verse 5 of Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. So what he's saying in Hebrews is that Jesus will never do to us what Demas did to Paul. So Paul has a hole in his heart. Because of desertion. Someone he loved deserted him. One of the translations puts it so poignantly. He left him in the bush. Now, that adds a little depth to the meaning of it because it means not only did Demas leave Paul, but Demas left Paul when Paul needed him. He left him in the world. He deserted I, I, I see the resemblance of Jesus where there is a desertion, one that he loved has gone. Well, that's the first prong of this void It was caused by desertion. The second prong of this void was caused by Jesus. Duty. I don't know if you noticed the number of men that's mentioned here. Crescent has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. You know where Dalmatia is. That's that city with all those black woman dogs. You know that. Uh, uh, he, he's, he, he's talking about these men that he loved and he's discipled. He's poured his life into them. And now he's sending them out as church planters, as pastors, as shepherds. So, they're leaving Paul, but for a totally different reason than Demas. 
Nicodemus left him out of desertion. These men left him out of Jesus. But regardless of the reason why they left, it left a void in Paul's heart. And he needed it. And then there's a third part to this void. It's alluded to when Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. And that's the Death leads into the Death leads into the Paul is feeling that moment, that emptiness, that holiness in his heart. He knows that he is about to die. And he knows that if Timothy doesn't get there before spring, he won't get to see Timothy again. Now, let me just uh, comment and say a word of application about this poetry. There are those, I'm sure, sitting in this room today. You know what it feels like. To experience the void of desertion. Some of you have had folks that you love, maybe a mate, a husband, a wife, that's deserted you, left you in the world. Some of you know what it's like to have a child who deserts your value and walks away from everything you have poured into them. You know what it's like to have a void, to have a hole. Some of you know what it's like to have a void in your heart because of grief. That you've moved ten times and the company says, move again. And so you have to pack up and move somewhere else. And leave behind a whole set of things. You're doing what you're supposed to do, but it's still there. I remember a number of years ago, I was taking our daughter and her family, her husband, and that time, two children to the airport in Memphis, Tennessee. They had sold their green home. He was a student pastor up in Virginia. They had built a green home and a great church to minister in. They'd been there for 20 years. And God called them to go to India and to mission, which is a mission missionary. I had prayed for Vicki since before she was born that God would fill her with the knowledge of His will, that they would follow the Lord wherever they went. I was so proud of them when we went to the airport that day and they had all their worldly goods and a few duffel bags. Then, then why, why did Rosa and I cry all the way down? I'll tell you why. Because we felt the void of Jesus. Sometimes doing the will of God is not easy. Sometimes it leads you in the desert of wilderness. And there's not a person in this room some of you will go home today. You'll sit down to a table that you used to be comfortable at. You'll go to bed today and you can start having your life meditation. There's nothing. There's a void of death. It's a tall thing. So what is a void that only Timothy could do? Can I tell you, number two, not only was there a void that needed to be filled, but there, there was in, in Paul's life, there, there was a need that needed to be filled. Now, that need was threefold. 
Did you notice what he said? He said, when you come, bring my coat. Bring the parchment. That's an interesting thing. Why would Paul leave this thing? I mean, those are the kinds of things the parchment refers to in the Bible. There's two words here that are used. One is for the cheap papyrus. That's writing materials. That's cheap. The other is for leather, which is expensive and would be like something you'd have the manuscript on. So Paul is basically saying, bring my coat, bring my writing materials, and bring my Bible. Now, that begs the question, why did he not have it? Those are the kinds of things Paul would normally never leave anyway. But I think the answer to that is this. He was probably arrested so quickly and jerked away and taken back to Rome that he didn't even have time to get his coat. Now, basically, these three things represent three different kinds of ministry. First of all, there's a physical <laughs> Bring my coat. Now, you know, you're not going to be written up in the badges of record <laughs> over giving somebody a coat. You know, I, I'm not going to get my name in the Mississippi uh, uh, Badger Hall of Fame because I did something practical like give somebody a coat. Ladies, uh, you're, you're not going to be written up in, for baking a pie or baking a cake. Some of us, that God has blessed with some means, nobody's ever going to know that you saved somebody's life bill the next day. You see, those are just Bring my coat. Paul's coat was really a poncho made of thick materials used for a blanket, used to keep the rain away. Winter's coming. He's in that seven-story hole in the ground. It's cold. Paul says, would you do something very practical? You know, God has a call to everybody to continue to fly. Everybody to teach. You know what that tells to me about Paul? It says he wasn't ready to quit. <laughs> I don't know what he was going to do with that writing material, but he was probably going to write another letter to somebody. You know, he had written four to Corinth, only two of them were extant. Uh, he may have wanted to write another letter to them because they didn't seem to listen to what he'd written to them before. But he's writing another letter. He said, I'm not ready to quit. I'm not going to rust out. I'm going to wear I kind of got a little feeling with Paul on that one. I'm 77. Somebody said, Tommy, what are you doing these days? I said, I'm living out of my bucket list. I'm doing what God's called me to do. And I want to do it until God, until either my health can't do it or people will stop asking. But I want to do it until I can't do it. It was a very tough time. And then the final thing. Look at this. 
to be covered. You know what that means? That's the word of God. Did you know Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament, but he couldn't live without his own he said, he said, I'm down here in this hole. I need my Bible. Now, we don't know what that was. It could have been a copy of the book of Isaiah. One scholar even suggested it might be an early copy of the Gospel of Mark. He's wanting Mark to come. Maybe Mark is already in the process of writing the Gospel of Mark. I don't know what it was, but he said, I need And he said, Where will a young man cleanse his way? And he answered by saying, By taking heed thereto, according to thy word, thy word have I hidden in my heart. But I'm not going to say it. For there is a need. But then there's a third thing. The third thing I'm going to say is that there's a There's a wound when he says, When you come, bring John's mark. Bring John's mark. If you can recollect or remember back to Acts 13 and Acts 15, you remember when Paul and Silas went on their first missionary journey? Uh, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey. Barnabas asked Paul if he could bring along his. I think it was his nephew, John Mark. And so John Mark went with him on that first missionary journey. And you know what happened? He didn't stay with him. He hadn't been there very long on the journey, so he decided to go back home. So, sometime later, they decided to go on a second missionary journey and revisit those churches that they had visited on the first one. And Barnabas said again, let's take John Mark. And, 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 and Paul said, no way. We're not taking him. He was a missionary dropped out on the first one. We're not taking him. And he caused such a rift between Barnabas and Paul that Barnabas went one way down to Cyprus and he took John Mark with him. And Paul took Silas and went and revisited those churches. That's the old Baptist policy of church growth, divide and multiply. Now we got two mission trips. God and His sovereignty. That's isn't God good? If He can take even the, if He can make even our foibles into His glory. Now, Paul is pointing to the end of I wonder how many times Paul said, "The guys too hard for me." I wonder how many times. You know, the best thing that ever happened to me was the day Paul The day Paul said, I'm not taking the book, he dropped out of the He said, that made me stop and think seriously about God's word. Even though it hurt at the time, the best thing that ever happened to me was that Paul took the book. You know, that's a case of one of the best things that God worked in all things to me. If you go back and read in Colossians 4 and Philippians, you'll, you'll, you'll see in the context there that John Mark was with Paul even on his first imprisonment in the hospital. 
And so he says to Timothy, when you come back, bring John back. And you know what that says to you? That man is going to That man is going to And that man needs to be I have been right that I have said that right now, I need to be right You know, some things we need to do. Some of you have been right And unless things change, you're going to face that He said, but you don't know what they did to me. You know, he talked about the stewardship. Did you notice that? Did you notice what he said? He, he talked about the, the silversmith that had done him so much harm. Alexander, the accomplishment, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. You know what that says? There's some rules you need to forget that everyone can do the same thing. What I mean by that, I mean you just need to let the Lord take you back. Vengeance So, some wounds, you just say, Lord, I need to do that. God can do a much better job. So, there's a wound that needs to be done. I want you to do it. And this one has to be done. Is there a wound? Or is there someone who is wounded that God can use you to help heal that person? We need each other. Paul needs you. That's hard. Paul needs you. Have you ever noticed in Scripture how we use each other? David needed Jonathan, didn't he? You notice Moses standing on the mountain. He had uh, Moses on him, Bakshad on him, Ur and Tobiel and Adonis. The two guys that held up his arm. I'm just thinking about that as the prophets of the Lord. But, but Moses said, the Lord said, Moses, as long as you hold up your arms, Joshua will win down the mountain. But when you let your arms down, he's going to lose. Now, see, I don't even know who those two guys are. I can't even remember their names. But the Bible tells me depending upon Moses and Joshua. It's hell. What hell you have to come to that Saturday night. You know, it'll eventually come if you'll hang on. Anybody here ever had a season like that? It'll eventually come. Here it is that Moses needed that. David needed Joshua. Jesus needed Men to surround him. He said, Can you not watch your hands? Jesus said, Paul needed Timothy. 
even the Lord Jesus is in the Right? That man is Lord. We all need There was a war that needed to be fixed. A need that needed to be fixed. A wound that needed to be fixed. To touch and restore. There was a truth that needed to be fixed. And that decision. Did he get there before Paul died? You see, the story is true. I think that's by design. I think it's because our story is true. There was a decision that came to the he was in a good church in Ephesus. Not an easy church, but a good church. It was a metropolitan area where they were touching the lives of the kingdom all over Asia. And Timothy was the pastor of the church there. And Paul was saying, Timothy, I want you to leave this fruitful ministry. Come and stand by a man whose own file for his life is physical. Under a maniacal influence, he loves to kill Christians with physical things. That's what he did. There had to be a decision made. Would he, could he put comfort? This is what he had to say about the text I read to you this morning. Here's what he said. 
He says the crowds flowed into town. Some were going out, some were coming in. Paul was the only criminal going to be beheaded. Few, if any, of the crowd would know or care anything about him. At a good place on the road, some miles out of the city, the executioner stopped. The block was laid down. The executioner stood ready at the hand. The executioner stripped Paul, they tied him, exposing his back and neck. The lectors beat him with rods and rods. He groaned and bled from his mouth and neck. Then, without hesitation, the executioner frowned and swung the blade down and stripped it. Putting its mark in the blood of Christ, in the head of the greatest preacher in all the ages. Then on the front of the In that moment, the soul of Paul was instantly taken from the imperial city of Rome to the eternal celestial city of heaven. At that moment,
Thank you. 